0: Warning, this podcast contains explicit language.
1: Hi, I'm Stoya. I write and I used to make video pornography.
0: And I'm Rich Doswiak. I'm a writer who frequently focuses on sex and significant others.
1: Welcome to the How To Do It podcast, where we try to help you with all of your sex and relationship issues twice a week. You can ask us anything about sex or your bodies or dating etiquette or whatever. We're here to help. So, um one thing I've noticed doing this column and this podcast, my friends are always really curious, right? Like it's like, ooh, what'd you write about this week? Let's make some popcorn. But I've noticed that people tend to assume gender. Yes. And it's kind of caricatured. So I had a letter where three people two had been an existing couple. The third was integrated. They decided they could not live openly as a triad and they couldn't be together without living openly. So the writer who was part of the couple wants to know how they decide who gets to keep their new love. And I'm like, okay, all I can think about is King Solomon. But as I'm like, you know, like running it past some friends who think about religion a lot. Like, you know, am I using this metaphor correctly? And everyone was assuming like, oh, he sucks. Right. And it was three women. We have these ideas. I have these ideas. Totally. About who people are and, you know, how different genders behave and what gender the person probably is. And it's it's fascinating to me. Because I'm always proven wrong.
0: And, and, you know, obviously we've been taught to think in a certain way, but also people are taught to behave in a certain way based on what their gender is perceived as. You know, we could talk about socialization and the imperatives placed on people perceived as, as female versus male, etc. That said, sexism, misogyny is a real thing. And... I think a lot of times the way that I see it manifest is through this sense of male entitlement, you know? I think a big thing for people at the top of the food chain, you know, socially speaking, is that they still feel sort of this sense of entitlement to having things be the way they think they should be and they think they deserve them to be.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know, you set a boundary, And they respond by saying you have intimacy issues. (laughs) It's like, you know, I I don't think that refusing to be completely vulnerable on a fifth date is intimacy issues. I think that's male entitlement. And you run into all these little situations where it's like, yes, I do have rights. Yes, I do have autonomy. But it's frequently... A certain kind of man expresses surprise at that or interprets it as an attack like something's being taken away from them
0: it's, it's controlling behavior in a certain way and it's again this inability to kind of accept things as they are and, and this insistence on how they should be unfortunately that should be while it may be informed by history and other kind of uh, social conditions is still in your head and you're dealing with somebody who has their own head.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's where conflict occurs. So we're, we're kind of circling around what we're talking about this week. So uh, maybe let's get to
2: that.
1: Yeah, let's dig in.
2: Dear How to Do It, my partner is constantly complaining that I orgasm too quickly, saying that sex is not as much fun because it only takes me a few minutes to climax. When I try to initiate, my partner is often reluctant, saying it's not really worth it because I'll finish so quickly. In fact, my partner's nickname for me is the two-minute wonder. It's not a compliment. Plot twist, I'm a cishet woman while my partner is a cishet man. I've just always been able to orgasm quickly and easily. After three or four orgasms, I'm pretty much done and don't want any more direct stimulation. However, I'm totally up for penis in vagina sex, and sometimes even have an extra O that way, and I am more than willing to focus on his pleasure either before or after my orgasms. I can delay my climax by getting to the brink, then stopping, but I find that pretty unpleasant and much prefer the sensation of a series of short, sharp shocks. However, my partner says that sex with me is unsatisfying because I come so quickly and easily that I deprive him of the opportunity to really feel like he's giving me an orgasm. I know some women fake orgasms. Should I pretend I'm not coming? What else can I do? Signed, always a quickie.
1: Deprive?
0: I mean, to me, that is kind of like the nut sentence here, right?
1: Yeah. So a couple years ago, I wrote something for a book called A Woman's Right to Pleasure. And in it, I basically said, I come really easily, pretty hard. After a certain point, it's excessive, right? Like I'm not a video game where you're racking up the high score. (laughs) Right. So I could definitely empathize, but also I have never encountered, and I have had sex with a lot of people with penises. I have never encountered a person who felt like that took something away from them.
0: It's such a limited view of, performance and attraction to think that one's technique is the only thing involved in their partner's orgasm so while she may have very easy orgasms she's not going to have them with anybody just anybody right It she needs yeah. to be attracted to that person first so there, there are two truths here the first is that like one People who, like, quote, give their partner orgasms a lot of the time are not giving their partner orgasms. This is a shared experience that this partner is putting in effort or, or working at as well, or even maybe checking out to fantasize to get that orgasm that their partner th- thinks that they just gave them, firstly. Secondly, giving someone an orgasm in that way involves more than technique. It can involve the attractiveness it can involve their bravado the way they carry themselves if somebody comes too fast with me when i've experienced that that's always a compliment to me it's like oh you're so attracted to me that i don't even have to touch you and you just came great like that's hot in itself and maybe i'm just being an egomaniac here but but that to me is ego points i love it i did make you come i looked at you and i made you come i'm fucking powerful (laughs) You know, I just find it so strange to, to have that in front of you and be like, mm, no, it doesn't work for me. That's not enough. I need to prove my prowess more. And you're not allowing me to do that with your highly functioning body.
1: Yeah, it seems like it boils down to this isn't about me. And if that's the case, then I think our writer would do well to look at the rest of their relationship And see, is this a sex-specific thing? Because that, I think, can be worked on. Or is this systemic, right? Does it show up in social situations? Does it show up in household duties? Does it show up in, like, non-sexual hanging out time? And if that's the case, then, like, it's worth evaluating whether they want to stay in the relationship. But if it's not the case then I think it's worth having a conversation with her partner about where this is coming from, right? And, like, maybe trying to help him understand by asking specific questions that, like, get him to think through it.
0: You know, there could be a kind of more generalized mechanism going on here, which is maybe there's some part of him that's guided by the philosophy that like, you know, anything worth having is worth fighting for, or that like things need to be difficult in order to be legitimate. Like I can't appreciate something that comes so easy, but um, you have a partner who comes so easy, so you should appreciate her. <laughs> that's what I have to say to that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That, 100%. T- to me, it's a gift. Like, I have been in situations where, like, somebody or both people just are not coming. And it becomes such a drag where it's just like, oh, now I'm thinking about the fact that we're not coming and now we're never going to come. and I don't want to be in that situation. An orgasmic person where that's not going to happen, even if it had nothing to do with me, great.
1: I think it also might help to sort of flip the sex script, to borrow from Ian Kerner. So it seems like they do oral or digital stimulation on her. She orgasms a few times, and then they do penis and vagina. And crucially, she says, and sometimes even have an extra o that way so it seems like penetration doesn't cause her to orgasm very often so maybe kissing oral on him penetration his climax and then climaxes for her or maybe it's penetration then oral on her climaxes for her then oral on him climax for him we're back to penis and vagina And then I think the the writer's partner might feel more satisfied with the story arc.
0: Yes. Like, let her come once, do the penetration, and then the last remaining few, you know, get her going.
1: Exactly. The story of sex can be kind of compelling. Yeah. Right? You can, like, get wrapped up in this narrative, and it's a very, like, lustful physical narrative but there is a narrative to it. And it may be that like the tension isn't arranged in the most exciting way.
0: Yeah.
1: And she can ask, do you feel like something's being taken away from you when I have my fast early orgasms? Do you have any idea why you feel this way about it? Where do you think that comes from? And those kind of questions, if the person trusts you and is invested and can be vulnerable, can help them come to realizations about what's going on. And there may be rigid beliefs that don't serve them, that once those are dismantled, sex can be a lot more flexible and fluid and fun. Yeah.
0: All right, let's hear our next question.
2: Dear How to Do It, when you first start a relationship and there's that high sex drive between both partners... Then it starts slowing down. I'm at that point with my boyfriend. I have a high sex drive, and I want to do it at least every other day. Which he knows. I asked him why he wasn't wanting to have sex as often anymore, and his response puzzled me. He said that in past relationships, he noticed that when it was happening every night, that the vaginas didn't feel as tight, or like it had adjusted to him. Does that really happen? Or do you guys just say that? Signed, feeling different.
0: Like, like it's memory foam? I mean, like, the boyfriend is clearly not a gynecologist, (laughs) right?
1: I might need to see a doctor to help me get my eyebrows out of my hairline. I mean... Okay, so, the vaginal canal is super stretchy, right? Think about a whole baby. A whole infant human comes out of that opening and it returns to its state. Things go back to about like they were before. Maybe there was some tearing. Maybe there are some stitches. Maybe there's a scar. But, like, it's a muscle. It's not an old rubber band.
0: Right. You know, historically, this idea of loose women has been used to shame women for... Enjoying sex or or merely having it, you know often with multiple partners I don't see a scenario in which this guy isn't informed by this idea of frequent sex For women is bad or women who have frequent sex are doing something wrong and they're gonna pay for it with their body
1: Yeah, I'm hoping these people are like 19 seems young Also, even if he feels
0: that way, he has to understand that this is his perception. You know, her vagina isn't loose, but his brain is, you know? And also, what's up with his dick? I mean, you feel like the vagina is loose. Well, are you feeling it? And and there are ways to make for like a tighter seal, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Positions that involve like closing one's legs, you know, are really good for people with smaller penises because you can kind of get more of a grip on them.
1: Positions with the knees together or even with the legs crossed are definitely useful. And also, so I have to to qualify this with a little bit of my background. I have done some kind of physical movement practice for over half of my life. Ballet when I was young, circus, and now... Yoga, so I do have like a higher than average awareness of my body and my muscles. But I think anyone can build this awareness, and you can actually learn how to contract the different muscles in your pelvic bowl in a way that creates a sensation of squeezing. Yeah. So, there's like options. But I'm super hung up on the slut-shaming dog whistle. So I just, I want to be like, I don't like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I, I don't, I don't feel the need to like tell her to do Kegels or even the idea of like, oh, find a different position, whatever, because he's just so backward in his thinking that that is the issue. The issue isn't physicality. And also you have to wonder too, okay, so like, Let's say there's a scenario where he he actually doesn't believe this and it's just an excuse. What a shitty excuse to give somebody that, like, oh, your body is breaking. That's why I don't want to have sex with you that often. Like,
1: what? Yeah, I don't want to ruin you with my dick. That kind (laughs) of feels like what's happening here.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see you try, buddy.
1: There's just a lot of, like... Ah, oh, i'm so sad that we still have this
0: i was curious if anybody had talked to people about this even though i know on its face that this notion is ridiculous and they had there are different articles online you know gynecologist after gynecologist is like no it just does not work that way and so because there's this abundance of information to the contrary you have to wonder where this guy got this idea. And once again, I'd say it goes back to these notions of misogyny, this myth that this will happen. You know, loose women get loose. It's ridiculous.
1: You know, during my porn career, I used to have a great time sticking my scene partner's penis and all four fingers of one hand and all four fingers of the other hand inside my vulva.
0: That's a lot.
1: Yeah. And I can still stick my index finger or someone else's index finger in my vulva and squeeze it. Right. 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 Like it, it goes back. I'm super happy that you did the actual research, but on this one, I'm going to trust like my own observation.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I knew you would. I, I was literally just curious, like, if people had written about it, if people had talked about it. And they have. Yeah. And so it's like, even if you don't have a vagina and proof positive between your legs of this, the information is out there that I feel like to a certain degree, ignorance in an information age is willful ignorance. This guy did not need to have this misconception. And yet he's carrying it around because he couldn't even be bothered to look it up. And then I guess it's like, Okay, do you want to teach this guy or do you want to say, okay, that's it. Like, this is all the information that I need about where this guy's head is at. I think either is legitimate. I believe in forgiving people. I believe people can change. So I wouldn't dissuade someone from doing that. But I would say if he is wedded to this idea, it's going to manifest itself in other ways, almost certainly. And uh, maybe it's time to look for a new partner.
1: So just like our first writer in this episode, take a look at the rest of the relationship. Yeah. Is this showing up in other places? Yeah. Okay, that's all for now, but we're not done this week. Slate Plus members get another episode of How To Do It on Mondays where we answer even more of your questions. In tomorrow's episode, you'll hear from a letter writer who wants advice on how to tell his girlfriend about a possible change in his sexuality. To hear that discussion, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash h-t-d-i-p-l-u-s.
0: If you're in need of sex advice, you can write to How To Do It at slate.com slash or You can leave us a voicemail at 347-640-4025, and we may use it on the show. Everything is anonymous, and nothing is too weird or embarrassing.
1: Our show is produced by Chow 2. How to Do It's editor is Jeffrey Bloomer. Our letter readers are Shasha Leonard and Benjamin Frisch. And if you've been loving the show, please rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.